starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, go. Okay, so Eric, welcome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast, mate. Um, great to have you on. Um, just want to start off by by asking you basically where your SAL journey began and how how you got involved with with the league, you know, be it at a club or 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 or, or what, you know, what was the um, what was it? Where did it start for you? Yeah, for me, it started. My club was uh, or is old Actonians who who have since rebadged and uh, are now Actonians. So we, we dropped the old. It was a bit of a sales pitch, really. Um, dropping the old meant we got to the top of Google search lists and uh, and everything else. So I think it was a fairly smart move. Um, but for me, yeah, I, I was at Acton School, so I'm um, an official old Actonian or Actonian. Um, I joined a club way back in somewhere around 83, 84. Right. Um, had a season or so. Then I... Um, I sort of went away for a couple of years to, to play at Brentham. So uh, certainly the older heads will know who Brentham are, um, a member of the Southern Olympian at one time, uh, based in Ealing, uh, where my brothers played. So I, I okay. sort of potted off there and had a couple of years there, um, but got lured back to Actonians because of all the people I knew there. Um, and I was playing uh, there, so 85, 86, up to 2000 for 2005 um maybe even a bit longer to be honest uh was originally a forward and yeah uh, as i got older and older i started moving back uh, further back the pitches as i could uh sweeper to goalkeeper um and you know what it's like in grassroots you play one good gaming goal and uh, the next three, the next three years of history so yeah um but no, I mean, it, it, it's the lure of grassroots football, which was a big thing for me. It's not just about the football. It's about companionship, making friends, having a good drink up on a, on a Saturday. Uh, and and it, it's an extended family, really. Um, you know, I couldn't be any more open than that. I see Actonians as, as just an extension to my family life, really. Um, so, yeah, so the natural move, you know, me being me, was I wanted to give something back when I stopped playing. So I took up the role of uh, fixture secretary at uh, Actonians first. Right, okay. Um, then took over as as the secretary of Actonians. Uh, and it's during that time I happened to stumble across a, a character that you will know, Mr. McKiernan, uh, Paul McKiernan, yep. who turned up, turned up at Actonians one day and uh, being McKiernan, um, th- there was a big drinking session at Actonians and uh, after having a few too many, I got talked into uh, attending some league meetings. Um, so yeah, I'm afraid it was down to the booze uh, and blame the nothing else. Uh, uh, yeah, but uh, Paul McKeon and John Miller really in- introduced me to the SAL. And um, Paul McKeon, what a fantastic, lovely bloke. Um, yeah, um, and the rest is history, really. So I took up the role of fixture secretary for for the SAL. Had a number of years doing that. Um, spent a year as a kind of interim league secretary, uh, just to cover. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and quickly went back to being fixture secretary because believe me, uh, the, the work yeah, that one then. Or the work of the league secretary is is just immense. It, it really was too much to to juggle with with my job. Uh, so I kind of thought that's helping out for a year and, and then gladly went back to being fixture secretary. Yeah, I've been doing that 12, 13 seasons now. So not long then. <laughs> <laughs> not long. An old hand, an old hand indeed. So men- mentioning the you know the, the job of the secretary being quite quite big. Um the my understanding, um, and I've seen you do some some fixture work myself. Um, the your role as a match secretary, um, it's it's not a case of just hitting a, a generator button to, to create a load of fixtures and your your season's done. Um, obviously, there there's a lot of things to take into account, um, be it on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. Sort of take us through the the kind of process that you have to to to, to go through before you even start planning your fixtures. Yeah, I mean, it's working with the fixture secretaries of the clubs. Uh, first of all, sort of obtaining their availability for, for pitches and being grassroots. A lot of our clubs don't necessarily have access to the same amount of pitches each week or, or pitches at all one week. Yeah. Um, so it's working out week on week what, what the availability, availability is for pitches. Uh, it's then sitting down and working out... Um, in the divisions, how many teams will have pitches one week and how many teams won't. Um, as you sort of said earlier, it's not it's not a case of pressing the button. Unfortunately, um, there aren't many computers who can sit there and work out all the different um, algorithms for, for fixtures that we face in grassroots. Um, and I'll give you an idea of how diverse it can be. You know, one week, as I say, a club can have three pitches. Next week, they're not allowed to use them because there's something on their club or, um, you know, they've got an event and they want six home games rather than two or um, what's the kind of other issues we, we, we seem to get. Yeah, I mean, the weather is, is obviously the, the key decision maker as well. Um, you know, grassroots football is, is by nature. The, the pitches aren't as great as uh, steps three to seven, etc. Yeah. So you know, if you get a week of bad weather, you're you're likely to lose a fair number of games. Um, you get the issue with trying to penciling cup matches because again, it's not like um, some of our members believe. Uh, like it's the football league where every week they're either home or away, and uh, they know when their cup games are going to be, and they they don't put on league fixtures. And uh, unlike the FA Cup, if we lose a, a, a cup week, one week, it's all replayed the next week. So, of course, it wipes your fixtures out and, and you go back to pretty much starting again. And on, the, on that, we had, a, we had a couple of weeks last last year or um, was it last season where, you know, you've just done all your fixtures for one week. I've just sat there and spent a couple of hours doing the, the appointments for the referees. And then we get... 25 games that are AFA Cups that are not played and then we have to rejig everything because they're all being replayed again next week. Um, so, yeah, it is it is frustrating. Um, but there, there, there's other little things um, that um, obviously you have to take into account, such as the teams are allowed a free week during the season. Um, and there's um, one thing that I've recently found out is that some clubs don't like their first and second teams both being at home or, or both being away on the same week. So that's additional things that you've got to sort of plan in and um, 
take take note of on a weekly basis when you're doing your fixtures. So, yeah, I I feel I feel your pain. I, I really do. Um, yeah, and, and to be honest, it's it generally the clubs are pretty good. They understand the difficulty faced. Um, we're trying to arrange fixtures at grassroots. I'm not sure it fits sort of um, concertinas down to the players at times who cannot understand, you know, why they're not home one week away the next and et cetera, et cetera. But, um, you know, there's a fairly good bunch of, of club fixtures, fixture secretaries out there. That's been one of one of the enjoyments of the job is working with a lot of them. You know, made some decent friends there as well, and uh, quite enjoy going along to some different clubs to meet these people who I talk with week in week out. Yeah. So I think I think generally there's an understanding. Um, it's typical of grassroots football that you know a lot of people who who play it don't really have any idea what goes on behind the scenes. But uh, you know, but there's also a great deal of people who do, and and they they do appreciate what you do. So. So once you've got all your, your pitch availability or um, say, for instance, the first week of the season, you, you've you've got 40 odd emails back from 40 odd different clubs with their pitch availability um, and how many teams they're, they're using that um, that season. Um, you've got all your divisions set up. So, so how long would it roughly take to, to sit down and, and plan your fixtures out? On a, on a weekly basis, if you've got all the right information there. Yeah, I mean, the, the first couple of weeks of the season are, are fairly easy in, in the you know, big scheme of things. Um, and you could spend probably four or five hours each week for the first couple of weeks putting fixtures together. Um, inevitably, at the beginning of the season, not all clubs have their pitches at the same time. So we, we do tend to stagger the start of the season. So yeah. not, not every club plays. Um and then you, you start getting into the season, the cups start, and then you've got to try and, you know, you wait for the draws of the cups. So inevitably, we can only put fixtures up three to four weeks in advance mm. because you don't know who's going to get through to the next round of cups. So um, Yeah, of course. So so you, you, you can plan sort of three to four weeks ahead uh, and providing the weather's good, yeah, I would say four to five hours each week. Uh, maybe a bit more if you count reading through emails and, and requests and other things. So, um, in all honesty, I've probably never really totted it up, but <laughs> you certainly, in, in a good week, I would imagine it's a good 10 hours a week, you know, if you think of emails and calls and, you know, range of things. And on a bad week, as you know, you, you know, you, you spend five or six hours yeah. fixtures together and then it all get wiped out and you spend another half a day trying to rearrange and then you spend another four hours when the clubs get the rearrangements and they're not happy and uh, you then got to deal with that. So yeah, bad week is a lot of work. It's 10, 15 hours a week. Easy. So, so thinking about sort of like roughly 10 hours a week. Um, and then you've obviously on top of that, you've got your, your full-time job that you do. And then on top of that as well, you've also got the, the running and the admin from, from Actonians as well. So your, your week is is very compact um, and, you know, we've managed to squeeze this interview in today just sort of in between your Zoom calls and my Zoom calls. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's great to, to hear, you know, what, what goes on in the background and how much work does actually go on. So through, throughout all of this, from, from you being a player at Actonians, um, 
to to where where you are now um at what stage did you decide to become a referee and why oh um again it was like like the role of goalkeeper i think we didn't have a ref one week um again i did it um i kind of uh <laughs> quite bizarrely enjoyed it i think and uh got cajoled into doing a referees course that was around around the same time yeah. enjoyed enjoyed that um that's kind of really where it started so some weeks i was playing some weeks i was refereeing down the club um and then i thought to be honest i don't mind this so i'm not too bad at this so why not do it a bit more uh and i, I can't think who it was but um I think I met John Cook from the AFA at, um, right. at Tonians or something. He said, you know, start, start doing it more. I've heard good things about your refereeing. You know, do you get, why, why not work your way up a bit and, and do higher games? And I'll be totally honest, Daryl, it was, uh, do I want a referee? <coughs> um, do I want to stop playing? Uh, I, I sort of convinced myself, despite my age, I was still capable of playing when I probably wasn't. So. <laughs> So it, 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 yeah, I mean, it took a bit of thought, really, because uh, I've, you know, I've given referees grief in the past when I was playing, um, and I just thought, yeah, you know, I've, I've given refs a hard time as well. Let let let's be poacher turn gamekeeper or whichever way round that is. Um, let let's give it a go, and I did it and went on a course, and yeah, pretty much I, I enjoy it. I've got to say, I enjoy refereeing. I still be in part being part of a football match on a Saturday is, is big for me. Um, it means I still get down the club as well. It's an excuse to, to get down the club as well. Um, yeah. And uh, I would certainly encourage a lot of uh, footballers who, who play in our football to just think about refing. You know, you've heard some horror stories on, on Sunday mornings, but our league isn't like that. It's, it's well run. It's discipline is generally very good. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, I would encourage some players to think about just giving something back. And if it's not for their club, have a go at refereeing. It, it's it's you know, it's actually mostly good fun. So, yeah, I, I second that. It is mostly good mm. fun. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, um, while you've uh, been on the LMC as as match secretary, you, you touched on the fact that you. Um, you was interim secretary for the year um, yeah. and, and you also interim referee secretary for the year as well, or for a majority of a season. Um, you know, so you, you, you've worn many hats um, and over that time, there was um, a story that I've been told um, <laughs> and it was a, it was a story about you moving to Spain or, or wanting to move to Spain or, or, yeah. or something of the sort. Um and you was um, roped into agreeing to continue doing your job as fixture secretary if you moved to Spain. Tell, tell us about that. I think I think everyone thought my story of moving to Spain was just to get out of being fixture secretary. Um, if, I, if I tell you how close it was, we put in an offer on a on a property in Spain, got gazumped, so we were, we were that close to buying, uh, and then things in my life changed, so so the move went, but. I actually would have would have quite enjoyed continuing to do that job 
remotely if, if I lived in Spain. It would still have kept me... It was going to be a big thing, really, to keep me in touch with with the league, with the people I know on the league committee, uh, with the referee secretaries I know, and with my own club. So I actually would have carried on doing it in Spain and, and quite gladly have done it to, to still have that contact with, with our football. So, yeah. That just shows, that just shows a level of commitment there. Um, so, obviously, there's, um, a lot of people won't know that we've got a, a new system that's that's being built for us. Um, it's been uh, developed as we speak um, and part of this system has got um, something that will eventually aid you in your job as fixture secretary um, and it, it is effectively um, a system that, that reads information about games that have been played already from full time, takes into account pitch availability that you, you've obviously inputted um, and all them sorts of things, um, and it's all based off of an algorithm, um, and it and it works. Um, there are obviously a few tweaks that you've you, you've brought to the attention of the, the developers, um, and they're working on that um, in time for us to get back to, to some kind of football. Um, but you know, worst case scenario, September will will be uh, much much more of a lighter workload for you, should we say? Um, hopefully at least reducing those 10 hours down to five. <laughs> um, we, we can only hope. Um, so finally, um, you know, you've been involved with the SAL for a while. Um, throughout your time, not only with the SAL, but obviously at your club as well. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Oh, that's a big question. Um, yeah, certainly, as, as you say, RefSec would be a massive help to, to this role. Um, any way of automating some part of it would will help me and and anyone else who takes it on in the future. Um, you know, is there anything I would change? Probably not. It's grassroots football. It's part of the fun of grassroots football is you don't know what's going to happen one week to another. Absolutely. Uh, it's a bit like bringing VAR into the professional game. It's taken away the enjoyment and the and the fun and, and what you talk about in the bar on a Saturday night. So, no, I, I, don't, I would change it. I think part of the love for me is is how grassroots football is um, and changing that, I think, would, would take some of that away. Um, certainly automation and, and computers will, will help us moving forward. But uh, we don't, you do, yeah, I don't want to lose that, that, that opportunity to, to meet people, to talk to people who I don't normally meet from other clubs. Uh, I know so much about so many different clubs. It's it's amazing from talking to people. So an honest answer, Daryl, is is no. I, I I wouldn't like to change too much. It, it's what I enjoy about SL football. It, it's the it's the unknowns. It's the sometimes it's the chaos amongst all, amongst all the madness, as they say. Um, yeah. th that makes it so much fun. Um, yeah. I, I, if someone else takes on this role, they they will, I'm sure, have a different view. But uh, no, on that question, I, I, it's it's what I enjoy. It's what I like. It's uh, it's an extension of, of a set of extension of my family, and and it keeps me involved. It, you know, I can't play anymore. I will admit that now. Um, so it keeps me keeps me yeah, involved on the the kind of outskirts of, of grassroots football. Awesome, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. And you, Daryl. Thanks very much. Mate. And we'll catch up soon. All the best, mate. See you later. Cheers.